If asking your mate down the pub about vaping, here's what they'd probably say. No one agrees if it's safer or not, so you might as well smoke anyway. Now what your mate needs is a Cochrane review, all the facts have been checked at least twice. They'd find there's a lot that the experts agree on and might give you different advice. Hi, I'm Nicola Linson. And I'm Jamie Hartman Boyce. We're both researchers based at the University of Oxford, where we work with the Cochrane Tobacco Addiction Group. Welcome to this edition of Let's Talk E-Cigarettes. This podcast is a companion to a research project being carried out at the University of Oxford, where every month we search the e-cigarette research literature to find new studies. We then use these studies to update our Cochrane Systematic Review of e-cigarettes for smoking cessation. This is called a living systematic review. In each episode, we start by going through the studies we have found that month and then go into more detail about a particular study or topic related to e-cigarettes. So from February to May this year, we found five papers linked to studies previously included in our review, one new ongoing study and two new studies. My lovely colleague Nicola will tell you about the first of these two new studies in a nutshell. So we discovered the first new study in February 2023. It was led by Millie Knobe of Reynolds America Incorporated, which is a tobacco company who also funded the study. This was a randomised study where people were confined to a lab and given one of three types of e-cigarettes or were told to stop all cigarette use. However, this paper only reports data on the group that received one of the e-cigarettes, which was the Vus Solo Original. Participants used that e-cigarette as they wished for seven days and over the seven days the investigators measured biomarkers of potential harm to see if there were any changes over time. They did end up reporting reductions in some of those biomarkers in the group that they studied. Now some people sometimes raise concerns about us including studies in our review that are funded by the industry that manufacture e-cigarettes which in some cases is the tobacco industry. The reason why we do include these is because Cochrane's policy is to be very inclusive and transparent about the studies that investigate the interventions that we're interested in, in this case e-cigarettes, and then flag up these things afterwards. So our policy basically is to include these studies, but we do look at who the funders are of the studies that we include. We note this in the review, and if a study is included in one of our analyses, then we also rerun that analysis, removing the study that has been carried out by the tobacco industry or studies. And that just gives us the result when we include the studies, but also the result when we don't include the studies. And that allows us to compare our results to see if we think that those studies that have been carried out by the industry are giving us a different result to the ones that haven't been carried out by the industry or if they're skewing our result in any way. So we kind of feel like this gives us the best of both worlds. It allows us to say, look, these studies exist and that they've been carried out by the industry, but it allows us to look at our results, including those studies and not including those studies so that it gives basically the whole picture. What we have found so far is that by including these studies, we aren't seeing any big differences in the results we find. But a lot of the studies that are carried out by the industry include small samples and they're carried out over a very short period of time. 
Thanks, Nicola. So we're actually going to cover the second of the new studies by Professor Matthew Carpenter and colleagues at the Medical University of South Carolina in this month's deep dive. This was a randomized controlled trial funded by the National Cancer Institute in the U.S. I had the pleasure of speaking to Professor Carpenter about his study at the U.S. e-cigarette summit in Washington, D.C. earlier this month. It was a bustling conference, so apologies for the background noise. Right. So could you start by just introducing yourself to us? Sure. Uh, I'm Matthew Carpenter. I'm the professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the Medical University of South Carolina, where I also serve as co-leader of the cancer control program of the Hollings Cancer Center. Excellent. And what got you into studying e-cigarettes? Well, so I kind of do research in different areas. And my other line of research is in smoking cessation and clinical trials. And I've always been interested in finding pragmatic options for smoking cessation. So I did a few studies, and I'm still doing a few studies around medication sampling, just giving products to smokers with with very minimal instructions, evidence-based strategies to see if it sort of stirs the pot, gets them thinking about quitting. And I thought, well, this is the design that would work very well for testing of alternative products. So instead of giving out cessation medication, I'm giving out alternative products. Again, with minimal instruction, sort of a very naturalistic setting. And to see sort of what happens to their behavior. Do they use it? Do they like it? Do they go on for more? And more importantly, does it change their smoking? And can you just explain to us a little bit what you mean by naturalistic? Yeah, so naturalistic is, uh, so first off, it's a it's randomized trial. So yeah. and randomized, as you know, is very important. We're getting rid of a selection bias as to who chooses and not chooses to use an, a product. And that's very common in the literature. Clinical trials, randomized clinical trials, are obviously a little bit stronger evidence, I would say. So it's a randomized study, but it's naturalistic in the sense that there's no requirement to quit. There's no quit date. There's no support to quit. And in fact, we take in a broad range of smokers, whether they do or don't want to quit. So we give it out, and I'll say first off that giving it out for free is not naturalistic, but devoid of that, where price is not a barrier, we really don't say much at all. We say, you know, here's a product. It may be do this, it may do that. You may use it for this, you may use it for that. It's entirely up to you. You don't have to use it. It's your choice. Do what you want. Interesting. And what did the different groups in your trial receive? So if I was a participant, what would I be getting? Sure. So it was a randomized clinical trial of two groups. One group got a tank-based device that is commonly available in the U.S., or at least it was a few years ago, in multiple flavors. So we offered a menu of flavors. Interesting. And they could choose one or several of those flavors. And they got enough product to use as they wish for 30 days. After 30 days... We stopped giving it to them and we followed them up for another six months. That was one arm of the study. The other arm was basically a no product. Yep. So this is not a placebo comparison. Yep. We're not testing the pharmacology of the, we're testing the sampling of the product. And the control group for that is not receiving anything. Yeah. Okay, great. And what did you find? Yeah. So it was pretty interesting. Well, first, let me talk a little bit about uptake. So as a naturalistic study, we were first interested in, would they use it? Absolutely. So there was pretty robust measures of use. Great. Upwards of 70 to 80% of participants in that group yeah. used the product with some degree of frequency and magnitude amount. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. So now we were giving it to them for free. So yeah. we expected them to use it, but even the persistence of use yeah. at four weeks when we yeah. stopped giving it to them, even six months after we had stopped giving it to them for quite some time, uptake was very robust. So that's one outcome. Obviously, we were very interested in behavior change, 
We saw market decreases in cigarette smoking. We saw market increases in motivation to quit, confidence to quit. But really, at the end of the day, the most important finding is that we found an uptick in quit attempts yeah. and an uptick in smoking cessation of combustible Fantastic. cigarettes. Yeah. Fantastic. And did you interview participants or talk to them at all about their No, experiences? so this is a large-scale remote clinical trial. Okay. So it's all based in the U.S., 638 adults who smoke cigarettes, and it was all remote, so we never saw yeah. them. We never brought them into our lab. We recruited from cities all across the country, Yeah. and so we didn't have that sort of one-on-one -on -one yeah. contact. No, it makes sense. So light touch. In Very some, yeah. light touch. Okay, great. And did anything about what you found surprise you? Well, I'll tell you, so I don't know if it surprised me, but one of the things that really struck us was that the effects of receiving a product versus not receiving a product, yeah. sort of that group difference, if you will, those effect sizes were roughly comparable among people who told us at the outset, I don't want to quit smoking versus I do want to quit smoking. That's amazing. Now, the overall rates of quitting were yeah. higher. They had a higher rates of abstinence, yeah. higher rates of quit attempts. But the difference between the two groups was roughly wow. similar in terms of the effects. Yeah. So that told us that, and this is important, is that we weren't just moving the needle for people who wanted to be moved. Yeah, yeah. Okay? We were moving the needle for people who told us at the outset, I, I don't want to do anything. I, yeah. They told us, I don't want to quit smoking. I want to keep on going. Even for those people, they changed some behavior. Yeah, That's incredible. And what research would you like to see done next or are you planning to do next yeah. on the back of this? So I thought hard about this question. Yeah. Obviously, well, I hope might be obvious, is I think replication is the most important thing. So this is what I think is the largest naturalistic study of e-cigarettes done. Yeah. I might be wrong about that, but I think it's the largest naturalistic study. It might be the first naturalistic study. I think it might be. I think it might yeah. be. I don't ever want to say I'm no, absolutely exactly. positive be because someone's going to prove me wrong yeah, on yeah. it. But so I'd like to see some replication. Yeah. Uh, you know, one study showing one thing is great, but to do it yeah. again in a different group, by a different group, I think is critically important. The other thing I would say is that it's, I would like to dig into a little bit more of the subgroups of participants in our study and perhaps recruit adults who smoke who are enriched with, among a higher sample of lower socioeconomic yeah. status, education, morality, yeah. yeah. income, other indicators of social inequity. And, you know, we have the ability to look at those data in our study, yeah. but you know, the study wasn't primarily focused on that. Yeah. So, you know, now we're digging into small numbers and yeah. things. So I'd like to see a study that kind of focuses on the smokers yeah. who need it the most. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Is there anything else you wanted to say that you haven't had the opportunity? No, I'm really excited about the study. You know, I'm hopeful that it gains some interest both in the U.S. and around the globe. You know, I think it has both clinical implications yeah. and policy implications, but I'll just focus on the clinical implications. I'm not here to say that e-cigarettes should be touted as, you know, smoking cessation products for everybody. Yeah. In fact, I would be the first one to say that adults who smoke should use evidence-based, FDA-approved products as their first line of yeah. strategy to quit. That includes a number of nicotine replacement products, other pharmacotherapies. That's where everyone should start. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we know some people won't use those things, yeah. or if they do, some won't succeed. Yeah. And what do we do for those? Yeah. So for those folks, I think that we have to think about all their alternatives because we can't let them continue on with their combustible cigarette smoke. Yeah, I love this trial for a number of reasons, but Thank one you. of them is that 
almost all of the studies we've included or all of them in our review have a heavy component of support and how to use the yeah. cigarette and behavioral support. And so one of the criticisms is, but yeah, that's not what it's like in the real world. Yeah. So I'm yeah. you said that, Jamie. So, you know, not that we designed the study at the outset with this philosophy in mind, but it does resonate. So yeah. what happens when a consumer walks into a store exactly. and sees a number of products on the shelf? and says, hmm, maybe I want to use this. I don't know, I'll use eh, I'll use this one, then not that one. I'll use this flavor, not that flavor. And they decide if they're going to use it, how they're going to use it, for what purpose, how much, how often. And it's perhaps our design is a little bit more reflective of that real world exactly. where people are deciding on their own. Not to dismiss those studies that are cessation-focused yep. and supported. They're very important. They have added uh, a lot to our literature and our knowledge about e-cigarette products. But... I think there's value in a study like this where it can show, you know, what is it like devoid of all that uh, support and instruction? How will it be used, quote, in the real world? Exactly. Wonderful. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you. It's really great to hear Professor Carpenter talking about this study, as he said, it being a kind of naturalistic study, because that's really what I think we need in our review, Jamie, and often I think that's what people are a bit worried about, that whether those kind of randomised controlled trials, which seem very can seem very artificial, whether they're actually reflecting what we would see if people use e-cigarettes in the real world. And it looks like um, what Professor Carpenter's team has done is really try and um, as much as possible make it kind of match that scenario where if someone were to kind of decide themselves, I want to use an e-cigarette and went into a shop, then it kind of emulates that kind of situation. Absolutely. It's it's definitely a criticism that comes up about our review and the trials and something we call for in the review are more trials like this that reflect my, what might happen in a real world context. Brilliant. And it sounds like people were having a lot of fun at the Easy <laughs> Forum in the US and makes me feel quite sad that I wasn't there myself. How did that all go? It was wonderful, Nicola. I think we have to try and find a way for you to come next year as well. It was a great conference. A lot of really interesting speakers. There was good representation from the FDA. So there was obviously a lot of discussion about U.S. policy, what we're seeing going on with youth vaping and smoking in the U.S. and elsewhere. And then also coverage about what's going on in Canada from a policy perspective, what's going on in New Zealand from a policy perspective, what's going on in the U.K. So it's a really nice mix of a lot about policy which is very active at this moment and a lot about the research that informs that policy so I left it feeling really good about what we do and you gave a talk on our e-cigarettes I did give a talk on our e-cigarettes review yes which people at least clapped for that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you had a good time and it sounds like people were enjoying your interview with Professor Carpenter I think they might have been enjoying their drinks and we just happened to be in the background but hey (laughs) I can't believe that we'll take it Well, I think that's it from us this month. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks so much to Professor Carpenter for the interview. And we'll be with you again next month on Let's Talk E-Cigarettes. Please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and stay tuned for our next episode. Vaping is safer than smoking May help you quit in the end But remember to mention the findings we have Can't tell us what'll happen long term Even though we know vaping is safer than smoking We may still find cause for concern If you're thinking of switching to vaping Do it! That's what the experts agree Smoking so bad for you, they all concur The vaping beats burning, but there's much to learn Of effects long term yet to be seen
Thank you to Jonathan Livingston Banks for running searches, to Elsa Butler for producing this podcast, and to all of you for tuning in. Music is written with Johnny Berliner and I and performed by Johnny. Our Living Systematic Review is supported by funding from Cancer Research UK. The views expressed in this podcast are those of Nicola and I and do not represent those of the funders.